Your need-to-know cultural snapshot of Wisconsin and beyond. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. A deep dive into all things intriguing, riveting, and entertaining. Now, here's your host, Sandy Max. Good evening. A little bit chillier than it was yesterday. The whiplash weather, but uh, good Weather to watch movies, maybe hang, hang out at a museum. This is What's on Tap, and that's some of the topics on tap tonight. Making movies here in Wisconsin, moving a museum in Milwaukee, and new music by a record-breaking woman continuing to make history. That is all What's on Tap tonight. I am your host, Sandy Max. First, film news fresh about a Milwaukee man who owns an Oscar statue John Ridley, who won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for the very profound film 12 Years a Slave, born and bred in Milwaukee. Uh, He's also the creator and showrunner for American Crime, if you watch that. Well, John Ridley has a brand new film called Shirley, and he is treating Milwaukee special, bringing his new film that he has written and directed to Milwaukee next month to premiere a week before it is released to the rest of the world. The movie is called Shirley, and it stars Regina King, who I just think is magnificent. And Regina King, in this story, is Shirley Chisholm, the first black congresswoman, and tells the story of her run for the 1972 Democratic presidential nomination. Uh, This is a bit of an audio preview of John Ridley's film, Shirley. I have something I want to tell you. I am running for president. Of the United States? Holy. I'm paving the road for a lot of other people looking like me to get elected. Brooklyn's first black representative. You're about to make history. You want to be president? You ain't no man. Maybe we should find your mother. All you got is your one vote. You sound just like every other politician. Do I look like every other politician? Truly, you can't win. And why can't I win? I have an opportunity to make a difference. This isn't a campaign. It's a joke. See too much suffering. And I don't know how to not try. I don't think I'm special. I just want to remind people what's possible. We need something that's going to make some noise. The Black Panthers and Shirley Chisholm. It's like thunder and lightning. I'm going to force all the politicians to be held accountable. You're going to do all that. School teacher from Brooklyn. Harriet was just a slave. Rosa was just a domestic. What is it you do for a living again? The people of America are watching us. That is an audio preview of John Ridley's brand new film called Shirley, uh, telling the story of a really impactful woman, Shirley Chisholm, who became the first black congresswoman and 1972 went for the Democratic presidential nomination. And, uh, you know, you heard some of the uh, drama that is going to be in that. And this is one of those projects. No film project just happens in like a year. This is a project that Regina King and her sister Raina King have been working on for the last 15 years developing the film. Then you got to figure they got in touch with John Ridley, Milwaukee man with an Oscar 
and said, hey, we want you to be part of this. Write it, direct it, help us tell this story. So I think this is going to be very high quality, and you are going to be one of the first people to get to see it because John Ridley is bringing Shirley to the Oriental Theater on March 14th for the premiere, a week before the rest of the world can see it on Netflix on March 22nd. Uh, He's also having a reception at No Studios, which you probably heard of. It's a studio and a collaborative cultural creative hub that he created five years ago downtown and it welcomes creators of all kinds whether you're in the film business or spoken word uh, all kinds of artists can get together and there's going to be a post-show reception at no studios that you can attend Uh, so look into getting tickets for that so you can be the very first to see surely before it streams on netflix March 22nd. And I think this is just a great release to talk about during Black History Month, which is going to dovetail right into Women's History Month in March. And John Ridley has been involved in the Milwaukee creative community with no studios for since 2018, for five years now. What can be done to increase the amount of filming projects here in Wisconsin? We'll meet someone dedicated to making more movies and productions happen in our state next on What's on Tap. Dot com. You're listening to What's on Tap with Sandy Max on WTMJ. Welcome back to What's on Tap, a show about culture and creativity here in Wisconsin and around the world. I'm Sandy Max, and we're just talking about John Ridley, who grew up here in Milwaukee and has been working in the film industry and even won an Academy Award. If you remember the movie 12 Years a Slave, he won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for that. But he has never forgotten where he grew up and how much creativity helped him achieve his dreams. So he started No Studios in 2018 as a hub for creative people to collaborate, whether it's visual art, film, dance, poetry, writing. He recognizes that creativity, connecting people to socialize with a purpose, can really bring about great things. And as he is now going to release a brand new film called Shirley, all based on the life of Shirley Chisholm, That will come out March 14th right here in Milwaukee. We'll be one of the very first cities to see it before it streams on Netflix March 22nd. But it's brought up the conversation for a while now. We talk about how much sports influences the economy. You know, we certainly were talking about the stadiums and Pfizer Forum and the impact that it has had. And obviously talking about American Family Field and and the ballpark there. But it isn't just... It isn't just sports that is a great economic catalyst. It is also the arts and whether it's coming to see museums and going to the theater, the the economic culture, the, the, the creative economy is very important. And one of our brand new shows here on WTMJ is called The Upswing, hosted by Jeff Sherman. And he had a very interesting conversation today with the executive director of Imagine MKE. His, his name is Adam Bratz and also Corey Ampey of Ampey & Company, who's very involved in the advertising world. And they had a really good discussion about the impact of film and creativity here in southeastern Wisconsin. Wisconsin's currently one of only five states in the country without a film office and one of only 10 without any type of production incentives. And communities across our state are kind of missing out on economic impact because of that. This this month it was announced that a new bipartisan bill had been proposed to change all of this. 
If enacted, the provisions of the bill will empower Wisconsin to tap in to the thriving entertainment production market to help spotlight the state's assets to boost tourism, attract and retain businesses and skilled labor, and continue to stimulate the economy. The new bipartisan bill is SB 1026. It proposes the establishment of a state film office and film production tax incentives. Action Wisconsin is the coalition that has been formed to support and power the bill through. It's authored by three Republicans, David Armstrong in Rice Lake, Calvin Callahan in Tomahawk, and along with Senator Julian Bradley from Franklin. Adam, can you talk about the legislation a little bit and what your group is doing to power it forward? It's important to understand that producers of film, uh, there's a baseline expectation for them or a baseline criteria for them to go somewhere and film on location is these incentives, these tax incentives. And if a state does not have tax incentive credits for film production in any way, it's impossible for that state to be competitive in attracting those opportunities. And that's where Wisconsin is and has been for greater than uh, 13, 14 years now. Uh, we were unable to compete, and therefore the opportunities simply do not come here. And when a producer decides to film on location and comes to an area, when they roll into town to, to film in a state, <clears throat> they generate massive economic activity in that local area, in that local economy, uh, upwards of up to a quarter million dollars per day. They, they hire locally, they rent spaces, they buy permits, they hire security, catering. they eat and drink a little bit yeah, too. <laughs> catering, hair, makeup, lighting, lodging. Uh, so it, it spurs a ton of economic activity. <clears throat> it drives job growth uh, throughout the state, infrastructure investment, and then it also brings a ton of attention to to the area uh, and and boost tourism impact in, in a big way. Yeah. Corey, are you seeing? Is there a direct impact in the agency and marketing world when films come to the state? So, what benefits are my world and my yeah. sphere is the talent pool, and I have lots of friends and and colleagues who are producers or video effects artists who often have to leave Wisconsin to find work. So if we have more work here, they will stay here. And advertising and marketing leans on those same exact people uh, with those, those same talents to do things like put together a TV commercial or you know a campaign on YouTube. It takes the same people that are doing those jobs in a lot of ways. Um, and and having more work here is only going to grow that employment base and that talent pool. Yeah, obviously it worked for Montana with Yellowstone, right? So let, let's um, we, we could replicate half of that here. It would be it would be a win. Um, what uh, what can we do to move this forward, Adam? Uh, lift our voices up. Be be uh, be outspoken advocates for it. Be squeaky wheels, so to speak, for for the whole thing. Uh, it's a, this SB ten twenty six has garnered a ton of attention uh, to include some celebrity attention. Mark Ruffalo is on board. He just shared a, a post on his socials last week okay. uh, in support of the bill. This legislative session is largely behind us. The assembly has adjourned just last week, and the the state senate, I believe, has has another day or two in in March, and then they're done. So, a lot of folks have asked, what what is what is the future of this bill? It could come in a variety of ways. It could come through the next budget cycle. It could come through the next legislative session. The important part is for us to maintain 
lifting our voices up in support of it throughout this time. And it, it's easy to be disappointed if a bill doesn't pass the first time that it's proposed and put in front of people. And we had high hopes because it was bipartisan. We had 15 co-sponsors and every, we had all this attention. But had we not done this work now, laid this groundwork, uh, it would have been a new concept down the road. Like this part that we did now in these last few months and the part that we're going to be doing and advocating for it in the next several months is is absolutely imperative to its future success, which we anticipate. That is the voice of Adam Bratz, the executive director of Imagine MKE, part of today's conversation about the impact of arts on Wisconsin's economy, particularly in the film industry. And also advertising expert Corey Ampey was on the new TMJ show called The Upswing, hosted by Jeff Sherman. You can hear that full conversation on The Upswing podcast, WTMJ.com, and wherever you uh, enjoy your podcast, wherever you get those. And uh, if you want to find out more, Action Wisconsin is the initiative, and you can look that up online and figure out how to get in touch with your legislators if you uh, like the idea of boosting the economy and improving our creativity around here. Uh, Unfortunately, The world just got a little less funny and a little less neurotic. A comedian from Curb Your Enthusiasm is gone. A tribute to him next on What's on Tap on WTMJ. Planning for many fun-filled vacations. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. You are listening to What's on Tap on WTMJ. I'm Sandy Max with some sad news that I share with you. One of the comedians known for being on Curb Your Enthusiasm and bringing his own neurotic personality to it, Richard Lewis, has passed away. He was 76 years old, and uh, boy, did he have a career. And I think about Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm, one of the most authentic personalities and people. Richard Lewis was right up there with authentic presentation of his entire life doing stand-up over the decades. He'd had a sitcom career, but uh, I was doing some research, and he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's last year, and I found a podcast where he was talking about that just in October, and he was sounding good, and he was grateful for caregivers, but still had his sense of reality, but has been very honest about his journey through that. But obviously, very, very funny, and is still part of the the current season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't think you can do it without him, really. Uh, but this is a, a moment from Richard Lewis and Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm that uh, kind of fits the tone of this news. I have better news for you. I'm leaving you in my will. I'm tweaking it, and you're in it. No, no, no. Don't, don't do that. It's done. You're in. I don't want to be in it. I have money. I don't need it. Give it to someone who needs it. When I die, I want you to know how much I care about you. I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to give it to charity. You're my best friend. You're getting it. No. I'm making a Sherman-esque statement about the will right now. I'm sick of your historical references. If nominated, I will not run. If bequeathed, I will not accept. Well, I'm bequeathing. Well, I'm not accepting. You'll have to accept. Don't give it to me. Don't hurt my feelings. I'm not going to keep a penny of it. You're hurting me. Thank you, but I don't want it. I'm giving it to you anyway, pal. Oh, my God. So that's just one moment uh, that we could share. Uh, Comedy Central at one point named Richard Lewis one of the top 50 stand-up comedians of all time. And uh, GQ called him one of the 20th century's most influential humorists. And producer Max Meyerson and I were talking about this. Now, I enjoy Curb, Max, 
But it like some of those are just too much for me. It gets a little too much anxiety. But yeah. you're telling me that you're a big fan. Oh, I love Curb. Absolutely. Larry David. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I think it might be the funniest show to ever be on television, in I, my opinion. I think you're in fine company. I think a lot of people agree with you. You found one of your favorite Richard Lewis stories. Do you want to share that? Yeah, sure. So uh, obviously I, I love the show. And one of my favorite things is people are like, is Larry David really like that in real life? And when you hear this story from Richard Lewis on the Rich Eisen show, I think it says everything. He says, all right, I'll meet you at 401. <laughs> 401. Guy's a mental case. He's like Rain Man. <laughs> so I sit down. Larry comes an hour late after this hour phone call, 416, 503, 518. He was like an, a Jewish airport controller, out of control. He says, we're not going to split anything here. I go, why not? You'll hurt the feelings of the chef. I said, I couldn't care less about the chef. I just, I'm hungry. He says, I know him. He's a personal friend. I went, you know, and now I'm worried about the, the check, okay? The chef comes out with 18 entrees on a turntable. <laughs> We don't even have a discussion, Rich. The phone rings. Steve Martin. And he doesn't say goodbye. He gets up. He goes, I forgot I have poker night. And he leaves. (laughs) And he leaves me with a $100,000 bill. (laughs) That does sound like Larry David. That's the real deal, That's the straight out of a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. That's just real life. It's unbelievable. When they say truth is stranger than fiction, like, yeah, you can't make that up but uh what a gift richard lewis has been uh he even had his own podcast so if you want to catch up on some uh heartfelt thoughts and just sharp commentary from richard lewis you have your chance on his podcast or it's one of those times to uh, fall down the the rabbit hole on your favorite streaming service to look up old richard lewis episodes or just indulge and binge on curb like maxwell we're gonna find out the process The massive undertaking of moving 4 million precious items from one Milwaukee museum to another. It has begun. Meet the people making that happen next on What's on Tap. But first now, an update from the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Here's Jack Grau. What's on Tap with Sammy Max is back on WTMJ. What's on Tap is a show about culture and creativity here in Wisconsin and around the world. And one of the biggest things happening for the next few years is the Milwaukee Public Museum, a beloved museum in our town, uh, is going to move, though, in the spring of 2027 to a brand new architecturally beautiful space right near the Deer District at 6th and McKinley. But this is a big project because the Milwaukee Public Museum, sure, it has thousands of things on display that you can experience, but they have four million artifacts in their collection. So how do you manage this project? Well, Milwaukee Public Museum's Sarah Padeko and Madeline Anderson visited Wisconsin's Midday News with Jessica Ty and Greg Matzik and uh, shared some of this process. So first things first, is MPM Granny, she's coming along, right? We can't leave We can't leave Granny behind. Oh, absolutely she's coming, yes. <laughs> so Granny, I remember Granny from back in the day as a kid going to the museum. She's in the streets of old Milwaukee, and she's just one of the, the fantastic things. You've got the, the T-Rex as well. You've got the snake button. All of these favorites for people. Are those three, are they all coming along? Those three elements that you touched on, they will be 
in the new museum in different ways. Okay, so here's the fascinating part to me, because when I hear moving, I think label makers, I think, you know, boxes that, you know, the bottom falls out, you, you write with a Sharpie. Like, do you have a box that just says bones on it, and then it's like, okay, well, that's the T-Rex, there's, there's the head. It, like, how do you keep all this stuff organized and together and inventoried? Well, that's the first step. So there's a lot of things that we do before we even start packing, um, and one of the first steps we do is inventory. So we take all of these paper records that we have, and we make sure that we have digital records of all of our objects, and then we barcode our objects, similar to what you see in a grocery uh, supermarket. Sure. So it's not going to be directly on the object. We attach it with a drop tag, but this lets us track. All of our objects, wherever they go in the process, we'll know exactly what crate they're in. We'll know exactly where in the crate they are. We'll know what truck they're on. We'll know where they are at the new museum, um, really helping us keep track of what we have. So what's getting packed up in round one? And, and how many people does this take? How much time does this take? Because there's so much to do before you even actually move. Yes, the, there is so much. It's going to take a lot of time. Because of that, um, we're starting with the uh, glass and ceramic collection in our history department. Um, it consists of about 23,000 items. you got to be so, careful with that glass. You do, yes. Just simply because of the way we handle all of our museum objects, whether it's glass or whether it's a pillow from the 1950s, um, we're going to handle it the same way, and that being very careful with the fragility of the pieces. Um, and that we have a really great team of packers and move techs and inventory folk that are helping us out. So it's going to take a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of supplies, but um, it's definitely uh, something that we're excited to start. So you don't just hire two men in a truck or college hunks or whatever, like <laughs> yeah. just come into their trucks and just slowly but surely handle it? No. Um, so I'm really excited about the type of people we get to hire for this position. A lot of um, who are applying for these positions are new grads out of museum studies programs. Oh, nice. Um, so it, maybe it's their first job or, you know, right out of school. So it, it's really rewarding to be able to give a lot of um, new folks to the career some experience and great, great work to do. When you're talking about all that glass, I just think if you're packing up your house and you're putting away the glasses, you're wrapping them and the plates and you're making sure that everything is okay, do you use something special to do that? Yeah, we do. Um, so there's um, kind of, we call it just generally archival material. And what that means, it means it's usually um, not dyed, so um, it's acid-free, there's no dyes, um, it's chemically inert, it means it's not going to react with other material types. Um, so there's a whole laundry list of materials that we can use with our um, objects that are safe. Um, and so that's what we're doing with these. Um, the glass and ceramics, one of the major things we have to worry about are is its fragility. So um, we're making sure there's a lot of padding, there's a lot of tissue and foam that's really going to make sure everything is nice and safe. And then the, the great part about this is that we are planning on reusing as many of our materials as we can. Sustainability is a big point to this process. Great. So we wrap something up in foam, and when it gets unwrapped, we're going to reuse that foam or use that tissue and things like that. So will phase one just go right into phase two, or is this 23,000 glass ceramic items kind of your, your task for the rest of the week, and then we'll worry about the next stuff later? Like, what's the timing of all this? Yeah, so this is our first sort of jump off for packing. This is really our prototype to see what our process looks like, to see what our numbers for packing look like. Um, but as um, this process is going on, we are starting move um, processes in many other departments as well. We're, hard, we're starting to hire for those inventory positions to really get those collections up for packing as well. So starting now with just one collection, but it, within the next few months, we're going to have lots of departments moving 
interchangeably. I mean, it, ultimately, it's going to take years to pack all of this up, correct? Yes. And we mentioned the T-Rex. How do you even go about <laughs> disassembling that? <laughs> Somebody and then take packing it up and then putting it back together. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, when it comes to like our large um, articulated um, paleo uh, material, um, luckily, there are people that do this for a living. Um, they articulate these specimens and de-articulate them. So we would likely partner with someone who would be able to tell us where those weak points are, how to stabilize it. Um, and then we would talk about, like, do we move it on a pallet with a sling and, you know, all of those types wow. of details. So getting the right people on the team is I, important. Don't you just have to, like, label it like L1, L2, right? Like you're putting together a bookcase or something like two. that. Yeah, rib nine, right? <laughs> that is what you do, yeah, when you ship parts like that yeah absolutely that's fantastic and each one will have a barcode <laughs> Greg, well that's important too if we were taking tasks i'm giving you the t-rex i'm taking granny granny seems a lot a lot easier to move yeah right like the snake button fine put it in a box <laughs> it'll make it t-rex might want to be a little more careful with that one preservation i mean that that's key even inside of the museum which i know is a big reason why you guys are moving too to get into a, a safe spot so to speak for all of the collections but how do you preserve it when it's packed away? Because I know I've always liked to newspaper clippings yeah. from back in the day in college. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of those and I put them in scrapbooks and it's pages start to turn yellow or the newspaper clippings get a little crimpy. Yeah. Preserving is a big part of this, too. It is, and that's um, the main reason we're starting with the collection that we are. So glass and ceramic collections are what we call inorganic material. That's going to be ceramics and glass and rocks and metal and things like that. They tend to be less reactive to some of those environmental stressors that something like newspaper is very, very reactive to yeah. environmental stressors. So we can pack these things up and know that they're going to be safe and sound in their crates while we figure out the new museum, and they're not going to be as reactive as some of those organic materials. Milwaukee Public Museum's Sarah Padeko and Madeline Anderson on Wisconsin's Midday News on WTMJ sharing the details of the massive move with Jessica Ty and Greg Matzik yesterday. We're all kind of curious about how that happens. Well, what was it really like to be inside that packing room? WTMJ's Julian Johnson shares his experience next on What's on Tap. Welcome back to What's on Tap on WTMJ. I'm Sandy Max. This is a show about culture and creativity, and the Milwaukee Public Museum has been in the news. You've heard about it. It's been a place to visit since the 1800s, and it's been at the building at 8th and Well since 1962. Well, moving on up in three years, the Milwaukee Public Museum is going to evolve and move into a brand new, beautiful architectural space to connect with history, science, and culture, uh, but closer to the Deer District. And you've got to think, it's an intimidating process to move all of those items. And WTMJ's Julian Johnson went to the Milwaukee Public Museum yesterday. Uh, 23,000 of the 4 million items have begun to be packed up. And this first phase was really a test to help identify the pace for the rest of the move because they've been planning this since 2019, just the logistics to get us to this point. And Milwaukee Public Museum Chester Reed Curator of History Collections, Jackie Schweitzer, she is the head of the move and has been planning those logistics for five years now and it's a it's a heck of a process and with julian there in the room i asked him just to describe 
what that was like. But I mean, you walked in, you just see all these ceramics all around the area, and you see these two big old crates. The crates actually have names. The first, the first crate was actually called Crate Expectations, and the second <laughs> one was called uh, <laughs> um, Catherine the Crate. <laughs> I think there is an Alexander the Crate. I, I think there is one, and I gave them a few other like uh, suggestions as well because I thought it was funny. I was like, are these labeled? They was like, yes. I said, that is hilarious. You have to have a sense of humor because this is going to get tedious. No, it is. It is. I mean, you know, when I walked in there, I mean, these people the whole time throughout all the interviews were just rapping the whole time. Well, they didn't stop no, while you are talking stop. about that. Well, that's because they're we on a schedule. Because we needed the video and, and, the, and the stuff anyway. So, like, they, I remember they were saying after because I was one of the last people there at the end. They were like, yeah, we actually didn't lose any time because we just got to keep on going and going and going while we were doing it because it was great content for all the news stations and everybody that was there. It makes a project yeah. go by faster. You usually listen to the radio. This time you just keep telling those stories. <laughs> I've seen the videos of rubber gloves. You talk about handling this tissue paper. I mean, this really is almost a surgical type process with the organization and gentle stacking. And it just is fascinating to me. It is. I mean, I'm really excited to see how they move the bigger stuff when you move these bigger things i'm just very curious as to how you know that's gonna go like with the like the, the with the big pointy squid you want to be there for that <laughs> bubble wrap that baby up i'm curious about the bones like the you know t-rex stuff dinosaur bones and stuff like are you gonna disassemble and then reassemble you know are you like gonna a great big puzzle sure yeah, because, those are fascinating questions yes, because actually another thing is they barcode every single thing like every single item is barcoded. Every single item is has a digital footprint. They already have like 144,000 stuff that is already logged prior. Like every little thing. I'm seeing a barcode on the smallest of China plates. I'm like, yo, what? This is crazy. But but that's uh, heartening, yeah. true, because these are treasures. Yes, they that care. They have been preserving for this long. Yes, exactly. I mean, museums are, are big no matter what city or state you're in because it's it's a part of the culture of the area. They interwoven different things that are going on in the city, but also all around the world. You know, somebody who's just in the city of Milwaukee may not be able to see things in other places. They're able to see that in museums. This is yeah. going to change the landscape of Milwaukee's downtown. The new one's actually going to be, you know, right next to Pfizer Forum in the Deer District area. That works more for both uh, both parties of the of Deer District and people who are museum goers. You come out of museum instead of having to walk a little bit further, like you're right next to where everything is going to be moving forward. I mean, City of Milwaukee is going up and up and up. So uh, I love to see it because this is where I was born and raised, and uh, I just love to see it succeed. So as massive as this packing process is. It's not like they're looking for volunteers because this is so barcoded yeah. and precious cargo, right? It's museum study grads that are actually doing the packing. So one of them is Quinn Tahoe. Uh, he was telling me he got involved in July 2022 is when he originally came there. That was when they were doing the uh, archival process of putting the, everything with a digital footprint and doing the barcodes and all that stuff. And so now he's in the packing phase. So he's in here for the long run. Mind you, again. 2022 it is 2024 right now yeah <laughs> so like meticulous is maybe even an understatement they're they're taking it seriously for this yeah. grad student it must it's be quite experience. a thrill to have your rubber gloved hands <laughs> on all of these true treasures and archives and their places in history and in context they take this job really seriously because this is something that, again, that you keep saying, like, it it matters. And it's it's deeper than just, oh, these artifacts. No, these are artifacts. There's meaning behind that in and of itself. It represents a life lived? Yes, it, it does. It all does. So, yeah.
You can see Julian Johnson's story at WTMJ.com. He has photos and videos from the packing room. I had in my head like a basement and lots of cobwebs and cardboard boxes kind of askew, but it's a very clean, pristine place where they are preserving these artifacts. So check that out at WTMJ.com. Julian Johnson's web story there about the very beginning process of Milwaukee Public Museum's big move. Next, a woman making history. It's the song you need to hear next on WTMJ. The trip. And now, feast your ears. This is the song you need to hear. Most blokes going to be playing at 10. These go to 11. It is the song you need to hear as we are getting closer to wrapping up Black History Month and getting into Women's History Month. How can you ignore Beyonce and her newest number one song, and now she's the first black woman with a number one country song in Billboard history. And there are people dancing Irish jigs to it on TikTok. This is Texas Hold'em. It's Beyonce, the song you need to hear on WTMJ. This ain't Texas. Take it to the floor now. Woo! Huh. There's a tornado. Texas Hold'em, Beyonce, still killing it, making history as one of the most epic artists of the 21st century. And now I'm going, woo! It is Beyonce, the song you need to hear on What's on Tap. Have a great rest of your night. News is next.